on of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everyone of you connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. And all of you that are connected to this service today by way of Radio XL FM. Radio XL FM here in Aquaibom State. We want to welcome every one of you to our service. Hey guys, we want you to get ready. You're going to hear some word that will build you up today. All of our campuses, our house churches, we're going to have a blast. We love all of you. We're glad you're part of the service today. You get ready. Fasting your seatbelts is going to be an exciting time as we adventure through the word of his grace. I'm starting a series this afternoon, I mean this morning, and that series is a part two of the misunderstood God. The part two of the misunderstood God. It's going to be an exciting time of study. So grab your notebook, your pen, grab your Bible. We're going to do quite some studying this morning. And you can be seated with your sweet, smart self as we look through the word of his grace. So we're looking at, at the misunderstood God part two. And in this series, we're going to be unraveling the power of God. We're going to be unraveling the power of God. What is the power of God? Does the power of God destroy? How does the power of God function? And we're going to look at Bible characters where the power of God was said to be in operation. And we're going to decipher the power of God from destruction and from all others. So let's begin the study from Luke chapter 24 verse 25. Luke chapter 24 verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Next verse. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Next verse. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. The first thing we've got to understand is the Bible is Christ-centered. The Bible is Christ-centered. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The truth of the Bible is only found in the person of Christ. That the truth of the Bible is only found in the person of Christ. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, brother Paul begins to admonish Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, not chapter 1, 3 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So brother Paul uses the word known, is the word eudo, eudo. E-I-D-O, the Greek word, it means to perceive something. From a child you have known or you have perceived. Means you got the message. It's like somebody I'm trying to explain to him how to get to our church location in Akwaibom State. And I said to him, well, when you get to the city, get a car to take you to Waniba Road. When you get to Waniba Road, there is a diversion between Waniba Road and Brook Street. 
just by that diversion, if you turn, if you turn to your right, you will see the church, Power City International. And then the person goes like, oh, I see. I've been able to paint pictures in his mind that brought him to a place where he got the message. So that word known is the word Eoda. It means to perceive something or to get the message. So brother Paul told Timothy, from a child, you have understood what the scriptures is about. You have understood what the scriptures is about. Not necessarily quoting the scriptures. That is why verse 16 now says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine is the Greek word didascalia, which means teaching or explanation. That the scriptures are given by inspiration of God and they are profitable. Ophilimos, the Greek word useful or advantageous for teaching or explanation. That is to say, you have appreciated what the scriptures is talking about. That is, you can explain what the scriptures is talking about. For example, look at the man in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandra, an eloquent man, a mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And mighty in the scripture came to Ephesus. Now, please pay attention. We find a man here by the name of Apollos. Mighty in scriptures. The meaning of that word is he could quote from the scriptures very well. I remember when I was growing up in my Christian life in the church where I attended, we used to give ourselves to Bible recitation. We quote as many scriptures and it used to be competitive. So that is the meaning of he, he was mighty in scriptures. He could quote the scriptures very well. Meaning that Apollos knew Genesis to Malachi. Because the scriptures implied Genesis to Malachi or the Old Testament. So he was eloquent because he could speak very well from scriptures. Verse 25 of Acts chapter 18. Acts 18 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit... He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He could quote the Bible. He could quote the scriptures. He was so eloquent, he could quote the scriptures like a Bible concordance. But he only knew, knowing only the baptism of John. That word, knowing only, is the word epistemai. E-P-I-S-T-A-M-A-I in the Greek. It means his understanding of the scriptures was limited. Epistemai. His understanding of the scriptures was limited. He knew the scriptures by heart. But did he understand the message fully? No. So he knew the scriptures by heart, but did not understand the message of the scriptures. He was acquainted only with the baptism of John. Your being able to quote the Bible is not equal to knowing what it says. Your being able to quote the Bible is not equal to knowing what it says. In fact, he knew Greek, he knew Hebrew, but that's not equal to knowing the message of the scriptures. So look at that Acts chapter 18 verse 26. Acts chapter 18 verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them 
and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. When the scripture says they expounded to him the way of God more perfectly, is the Greek word akiribos. Akiribos. Akiribos means distinctly. That is, they instructed him more perfectly. It means much more distinctly. More perfectly. It was used for Jesus, that same word more perfectly, in Matthew chapter 2 verse 8. Let's see the application of that word more perfectly. Matthew chapter 2 verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. The word diligently. Go and search diligently. Is the word be very precise or be very distinct? Be very precise or be very distinct. The word more perfectly. To be distinct or precise. Look at Luke chapter 1 verse 3 again for the application of that word. In the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, the word having had perfect understanding, the word precise, the word akiribos. So now in that Acts chapter 18 verse 25, Acts 18.25 talking about this guy Apollos. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord knowing only the baptism of John. So now the, 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 this guy was limited and his limitation was the baptism of John. He did not have perfect understanding. Look at Acts 23 verse 20. Acts 23 verse 20, the word Akiribos. Then he said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though they will inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. More perfectly. More distinct. The word Akiribos. Look at Acts 24 22. Acts 24 22. And when Felix, Felix had these things, Having more perfect knowledge of that way. Having more perfect knowledge of that way. That is uttermost of your matter. Precisely of your matter in Luke 24, 22. It means there is a precision or a uniqueness that comes with proper teaching. There is a precision or uniqueness. That is an accuracy that comes with proper teaching of God's word. The man was teaching good, but not with precision. He was eloquent in scripture, but did not have a precision or an accuracy of the message of the book. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. The word Akiribos. Ephesians 5 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly is the word akiribos, carefully or precisely. You will see the word again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The word perfectly or the word precisely or the word accurately. So in Acts 18, 
is is it possible for someone to quote the Bible but he is not precise in understanding it? Is it possible? Yes, it's very possible. Somebody can be quoting the Bible, be all over the place, cherry picking verses all over the place, but it's not precise in the understanding of the scriptures. Remember, quoting of scripture is not equal to knowing it. Quoting of scriptures is not equal to knowing it. But you cannot have insight if you cannot quote it. But you cannot have insight if you cannot quote it. Please, that's very instructive. So in Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, the, the Bible says they expounded unto him. Look at that Acts 18, 25 and 26. Pay attention. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Look at 26 now. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. That word expounded there is not the same word with Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded. The word expounded here in Acts 18 is the word ekthitomai. Ekthitomai. Is the word ekthitomai. Implies to expose or to bring out something. It's spelled as E-K-T-I-T-H-O-M-I. Ekthitomai. To bring out something or to expose something. Now, so to bring out a fact. See where that word ekthitomai is used. Acts chapter 7 verse 21. Acts chapter 7 verse 21. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. She took him up and nourished him. That is when he was exposed. When he was exposed, she took him. Look at where the word again is used in Acts chapter 11 verse 14. Acts chapter 11 verse 14. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? Who shall expose thee? Look at Acts 28, 23 again for that word, ekthitomai. Acts 28, 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. The word exitomai expounded to them. So he exposed to them Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. This was something missing from in the ministry of Apollos. He was missing the message. On the two occasions, did you observe that Apollos' ministry was based on how he was instructed. That is how he learned. In verse 24, Acts 18, 24, Acts 18, 24, and some Acts 18, 24. I mean, Acts 28, no, Acts 18, 24. All right. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandra, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, 
came to Ephesus. That is, he was brought up. He was brought up. Then again, when Aquila and Priscilla took him, they taught him. They gave him clarity of doctrine. So somebody taught him in verse 24, and somebody else taught him in verse 26. So we should be open to people helping us to have clarity of understanding. We should be open to people helping us to have clarity of understanding. It's not good enough to just know the scriptures. It's not good enough to just memorize the Bible. It's not good enough to just quote the scriptures. What's the distinction between Apollos and Timothy? They both knew the scripture. So what was the distinction? Apollos did not have an understanding of the message of the scriptures. But Timothy had an understanding of the message. Apollos only knew the baptism of John. But Paul said to Timothy, And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy knew the message of the scriptures. That the message of the scriptures is salvation through faith which was also in Christ Jesus. Apollos was imprecise. No matter his popularity, because he was popular, no matter his eloquence, he did not know the message of the scriptures. God gave men in the body of Christ to teach us. You don't know God for yourself. You will have to be taught. You will have to be taught. You only study the Bible after you have been taught. So that you know how to study it. So back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Brother Paul writes to Timothy and he says to Timothy. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Next verse. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So, Brother Paul says to Timothy, you have known the Holy Scripture either. It means to appreciate or to understand. Like you got the gist of the scriptures. You have got the gist of the scriptures. Alright? So, all scriptures are given for explanation. The word didascalia for teaching. The word doctrine. Explanation. You can only explain what you have been instructed in properly. You can only explain what you have been instructed in properly. Just like Titus chapter 1 verse 9. Titus chapter 1 verse 9. Brother Paul was talking to Titus. Holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught. As he had been taught. That he may be able by sound doctrine, but to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. As he had been taught. That's very key. As he had been taught. So you are able to teach as you have been taught. Same letter brother Paul wrote to the same Timothy. Look at it in Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men 
who shall be able to teach others also. Who shall be able to teach others also. So he learned it so that he will be able to teach others. He learned it so that he will be able to teach others. So back to same Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse number 15. Stay with me. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That word study is the word spudazo in the Greek. S-P-U-D-A-Z-O. Spudazo. That means be diligent or be eager. Be diligent or be eager. The word study there is the word diligence. Look at it again in Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. Spudazo. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. The word diligence. So, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing is the Greek word ototomio. To ototomio, rightly divide. It means to cut straight carefully. Or carefulness with the use of words in scripture. Carefulness with the use of words in scripture. Very important. Because the very first promise of long life in the Bible was given in Genesis chapter 3. Listen carefully. Was given in Genesis chapter 3. Thou shall not surely die. Thou shall not surely die. Somebody will shout, Amen. Thou shall not surely die. Amen. But the question is, who said it? It was the serpent. It was the devil who said it. In Genesis chapter 3. Thou shall not surely die. So that is why the scriptures must be carefully studied. Because that statement was made in disobedience. That statement was made in disobedience by the serpent. So that is why laziness in Bible study is not allowed. There is a diligence required. There is patience required. You have to painstakingly study. There is no lazy approach to Bible study. Please stay with me. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14. Because you know, before I read 2 Timothy 2 14, somebody was preaching somewhere and I was busy saying, Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth those that are his. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You must depart from iniquity. If you do not depart from iniquity, you are not a child of God. He's quoting a context of scripture. So, now look at that scripture so that you know what it means by depart from iniquity. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 first. Chapter 2 verse 19. That's the context. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What is he asking them to depart from? Look at verse 14, the pretext. Like we said, you must always read the scripture with the surrounding verses. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Look at the next verse. Words to no profit. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, 
for they will increase unto more ungodliness. So he is dealing with teaching here. He is not dealing with lifestyle. He is dealing with doctrine. Then look at verse 17 of that second Timothy. Verse 17. And their word will eat as though a canker, of whom is Hymnios and Philetus. Of whom is Hymnios and Philetus. Sometimes in correction, you have to mention people's names. And sometimes you hear people say, oh, why are you mentioning people's name? You are not walking in love. Well, these are the apostles of the Lamb. And you see, Brother Paul, mentioning names of whom is Hymnios and Philetus. Sometimes it's important to rebuke some people. We use them as examples. So sometimes it's good to mention names, especially when there is correction, when there's a rebuke. Sometimes you've got to be specific about mentioning names. Then look at verse 18 of that same scripture. Verse 18 of Second Timothy. Who concerning the truth have erred. You see, he mentioned their name because they did something wrong. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some and overthrow the faith of some. Then he now entered into the text where we are dealing with right now, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth those that are his, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So he's talking to the preachers of Christ, and he was dealing with doctrine. So in that verse, the iniquity is not lifestyle. The iniquity is the message. The iniquity is the message. Iniquity here is teaching what is not right. Look at verse 22 in the same chapter. Verse 22. If a man flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee also youthful lust. The youthful lust there is profane and vain babblings. Is striving about with words. The, 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 the youthful lust there is wrong doctrine. The youthful lust there is wrong doctrine. Look at verse 23 of that chapter. Verse 23 and 24. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, opt to teach and patient. So as we read verse 19 properly, is it clear? So it's not dealing with lifestyle when he said depart from iniquity. He's dealing with false teaching or wrong doctrine. But definitely the teaching will affect the lifestyle. So that scripture is for preachers to shun iniquity, which in this context, iniquity is false teaching, wrong doctrine, or it is heresy. So a preacher can be in iniquity and a preacher must depart from wrong teaching. He must depart from iniquity. The same in First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. First Timothy chapter 4 verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed, some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And doctrines of devils. So just like preachers should depart from iniquity, some people will depart from the faith. 
So you see how carefully we must study the scriptures. It's important to read the scriptures carefully and properly. So you carefully discern what the scriptures are saying. So come back with me to Luke 24, 25. We're laying a foundation for the misunderstood God part 2. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Next verse. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? All these that the prophets have spoken. Does it mean that everything the prophets spoke was about Christ? No. All these things. All these things. We just read Genesis chapter 3 verse 3. Where the devil say you shall not surely die. That is not about Christ. So it's not everything in the Old Testament that is about Christ. So there is a bias as to how the scriptures ought to be interpreted. The bias of the interpretation of the scriptures is in the light of Christ. That means Jesus is God's hermeneutics. Jesus is the explanation of God. So not that everything that the prophet spoke was about Christ. But these things, what things? In other words, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? So the only thing the prophet spoke that was about Christ was the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. That is all the books are saying. All the Old Testament books from Genesis to Malachi, what we pick out when we study is the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. So a proper Bible study is to search for that fact in the Old Testament. To search for that fact in the Old Testament. It's not about knowing Daniel's kingdom. It's not about one night with the king like Esther. Uh -uh. It's to search for the facts of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. Not all, but all these things with a bias concerning the Christ. So the prophets had a united message. They had a united message, meaning there was a unity of message in all the prophets. There was a unity of message in all the prophets of the Old Testament. Even though they addressed people at different times, some of them spoke to Israel, some of them spoke to kings at some times, different scenarios in the Bible that the prophets addressed, but within these scenarios was a central message of all the prophets. Was a central message of all the prophets. And that central message was Christ. Christ was not all their message. But within their message was Christ. And Christ is the message that tied all the books of the Old Testament together. Christ is the message that ties all the books of the Old Testament together. Please stay with me. So, it's important to know. Because if you do not, you will not get the message of the scriptures. So, our business with their message is Christ Jesus. Our business with their message is Christ Jesus. Does it not amaze you that you won't see the word Christ in their message? That is why it is called mystery. 
in the entire Old Testament, you won't see the word Christ. That is why it is Jesus concealed. That is why it is called mystery. That means Christ will be hidden in other words. Christ will be hidden in other words. So other words will be used to describe Christ. Other words will be used to describe Christ. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Pay attention. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This is Isaiah speaking. But he used the word our report. Our report. The hour will be all the prophets. That is what was spoken by the prophets. The word believed is the word aman in the Hebrew. Aman. Who has amaned our report? Aman was used for the first time in the Bible. In Genesis 15.6. Aman was used for the first time in the Bible. In Genesis 15.6. And he believed in the Lord. He amanned in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Alright, so Abraham believed. What did Abraham believe? Abraham believed something. That means for him to believe, something was told him. Something has to be told somebody for us to say the person believed. You don't need faith for what already is. You only need faith for a promise. Or you need faith for a statement of intent. You need faith for a statement of intent. It means what must have been said to Abraham for him to believe was either a promise or a statement of intent. Or something he will look forward to. So the word believe was used for what God will do. A man. What God will do. Then the word report is the Hebrew word shemua. S-H-E-M-U-A-H. Shemua. It means something that has already happened. Or what will happen. That is news or rumors. Who has believed? Who has a man our shemua? Who has believed our report? Our news. Who has believed our news? Shemua. Means something that has already happened or will happen. So what did Abraham believe? Abraham believed the promise that God will do. He believed the promise that God intended to do. Look at Galatians 3.8. Pay attention. Galatians 3.8. And the scripture foreseen that God will justify the hidden through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying. In thee shall all nations be blessed. In thee shall all nations be blessed. So what did God say he will do? What was given to Abraham? The gospel. What did Abraham believe? The gospel. Now remember I said, for Abraham to believe will mean a promise or an intent of what I will do. So now the gospel to Abraham was a promise. Because the Bible says in Galatians 3.16, pay attention. Galatians 3.16. 
Now to Abraham and his seed where the promises made. Where the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed which is Christ. So what was given to Abraham was a promise. Look at Galatians 3.18. Galatians 3.18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. God gave it to Abraham by promise. So what was the gospel to Abraham? A promise. So go back to Luke 24, 25. He turned to them and he said to them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. So what was in the words of the prophets about Christ? A promise or the gospel. A promise or the gospel. It means that what was most important in the Old Testament did not happen in the Old Testament. It means that what was most important in the Old Testament did not happen in the Old Testament. What saved in the Old Testament did not happen there. The gospel was given to them in a promise. So our search of the Old Testament, we will arrive at the truth of the Old Testament when we see it in a promissory note. Our search of the Old Testament, we will arrive at the truth of the Old Testament when we see it in a promissory note. When we see it in a promissory note, observe. Why? Then were people made righteous on a promise. Now pay attention. In Luke 24, imagine if you read all the Old Testament and you knew the stories but didn't know the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. You knew the age of David. You knew the father of Solomon. You knew you know, uh, the age of Moses. You knew the wife of Moses. But you didn't know the message of Christ. See, you will have not known anything. So it's high time we begin to explain Christ from the Old Testament. That is why some preachers are not better than CRK teachers. Because they don't know the message. They just give us story, 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 story. Once upon a time. Meanwhile, the Bible has a message that ties the scriptures together. And that message is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. So Je Jesus turned to these guys and called them fools. Oh, fools. The word fools is the Greek word anoitios. A-N-O-E-T-E-O-S. Anoitios. It means not reasoning through a matter. If somebody calls you a fool, it is not an insult. What he is saying is that you are not reasoning through a matter. Someone that is not thinking well. If someone quotes a verse out of context, what do you call the person? A fool. So why did he say they were fools? Now let's look at their discourse. Luke 24, 13. Please stay with me. Luke 24, verse 13. Let's read through. Luke 24, verse 13. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke 24, verse 
13. Grab your own Bible. Look for it. Let's read together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke 24, verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three, four, three score four logs. Verse 15. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Next verse. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Next verse. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Next verse. And one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Has thou not known the things which are come to pass there these days? They were relating with history. They were giving Jesus historical facts. Then look at verse 19. Jesus now answered them after giving him historical facts. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God, and all the people. They were preaching Jesus to Jesus. So they called Jesus a prophet. You think they were foolish or what? They were calling Jesus a prophet. Look at verse 20 of Luke 24. Verse 20. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death. And have crucified him. 21. But we trusted that he had been he which will have redeemed Israel. And beside all this today is the third day. Since these things were done. Next verse. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. 23. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said. But him... They saw not. This is good preaching. But they were dealing with history. He now turned to them in verse 25. And he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He called them fools. In other words, you did not have to be in the four gospels to know what will happen. Just handle the scriptures. You will know what the prophets said. What was he rebuking them for? His death or resurrection? Resurrection. Okay. They didn't have to physically see him to know he rose. Because it was spoken by the prophets that he will rise. So he called them fools. Because if they had taught through the scriptures that they read, which is the Old Testament... They would have known that the resurrection of Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament. He called them fools because they didn't think through. A fool, for example, will answer a matter before he hears it. Or they were not paying attention to details. Some people come to church like that. They are not paying any attention. 
when you are teaching instead of them following the thought, they will be saying, are you trying to say they are foolish? And in the Greek word, that word fools is the same word for stupid. They are not paying attention. In the Greek, it means they are thoughtless. Can the love of God call somebody a fool? Yes. Can you say you are a fool and you are walking in love? Yes. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who hath bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before as Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Was, cruci was Jesus crucified among the Galatians? No. Evidently set forth is the word prographo. Evidently set forth. Prographo. It means to write before time. So I can say, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been written off before. Crucified among you. In other words, they have read among them the scriptures of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. You will see that word prographo used in Romans 15 verse 4. Romans 15 verse 4. For whatsoever things we are written aforetime, aforetime, we are written for our learning. Aforetime. Prographo. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The same word is used by Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 3. And used by Jude in Jude chapter 1 verse 4. Before of old. Written before of old. In other words, Paul called them foolish for not thinking through the scriptures. They were thinking with men's experience and testimonies. But they were not thinking through the scriptures. So the word foolish will not relate with anyone. Will, will, will relate with anyone not thinking through with the scriptures. Paul also talks about foolish questions. Foolish lust. In 1 Timothy 6.9 and Titus 3.3. 3. That means this loss came about not thinking true. Not thinking true. So in Romans chapter 4 verse 1, pay attention. Romans chapter 4 verse 1. I mean chapter 1 verse 4. Romans chapter 1 verse 4. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So a man can be called foolish because he is not reasoning through with the scriptures. When a believer is lazy and you allow people to use vision and dreams and their experiences to confuse you, you are called a foolish person. Because you have an evidence before you. It's the same thing we call an illiterate. An illiterate is one who has a book but cannot read it. Like some people are in church but do not study after they are taught. So the pastor explains but they do not go home to study and pay attention. In fact, the older you are, the older you are in Christianity, the more you're supposed to be studious, the more you're supposed to pay attention to the teaching of God's word. So we are talking about unveiling the power of God. 
So you know what God's power is and what God's power is not as we explore the misunderstood God. People say God in all of his almightiness dealt with Pharaoh. God can do everything. God can do everything. But the question is, how did God deal with Pharaoh? And then people say, let's deal with the presidents of nations just like God dealt with Pharaoh. So let's look at the power of God. Because some people say, God can kill you to show you his power. God can make you blind to show his power. God can cause earthquakes and tsunamis to show his power. God can demonstrate his power by causing things to be destroyed. And that is why sometimes you see somebody going through a very tough time. The next thing he's thinking is, what is God trying to teach me? God is trying to teach me. You do err because you know not the scriptures nor the power of God. So to know the power of God, you must know the scriptures. So let's look at Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. As we unveil the power of God in the misunderstood God. Ephesians 1 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Next verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul is praying for believers to have the insight. That word knowledge is the word epignosis. Accurate knowledge. Accurate knowledge. Remember, we were talking about Apollos. Who didn't have precise, accurate understanding until Aquila and Priscilla took him and taught him. In verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1, pay attention. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is insight, epignosis, in the knowledge of him. That word enlightened is the same word used for education. When we say you should be enlightened, it means to go to school. When you are enlightened, you will not be foolish. But when you are foolish, you are not enlightened. Look at verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 1. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you may be enlightened. Then look at verse 19, the key to this teaching. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Take note of the adjectives that explains the power of God. Take note of the adjectives in these verses that explains the power of God. Number one, exceeding is the word hupabalon in the Greek. Hupabalon means hyperpower or like hypergrace. Exceeding. Number two, greatness. Greatness is the Greek word megatos. Greatness. Megatos. Different adjectives describing the same thing. The greatness of his power. 
megatos. Number one, hyperbalon or exceeding. Number two, greatness or megatos. Number three, walking. Walking. The word walking is the Greek word energio. It means effective. Something that is always working. It's like you have a letter of employment. Then the company says, your employment is with effect from Sunday the 17th of, of May. That is, it, it is energized to work from the 17th of May. So that's the word energy. Number four is the word kratos. Kratos, which means mighty. Mighty. Kratos. Displayed strength. Someone with muscles, but is able to use the muscles. Displayed power. Kratos. Then the fifth adjective in that, those two verses is the word ischus. I-S-C-H-U-S. I-S-C-H-U-S. Ischus. Absolute strength. This not, does not require exercise to get it. Now listen carefully. Scholars of the scriptures agree that there is nowhere in the Bible where the power of God is this described. Nowhere in the Bible outside of these two verses where the power of God is this described. Not even in the Old Testament. Look at the five adjectives to describe God's power. So if there is any verse of scripture that explains God's power, at best will be this verse. So listen carefully. Where did he say this power will be seen? He didn't say the power will be seen in creation. He said the power will be seen not in creation. Sometimes we sing, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout. Thy power is displayed in thunder, moon, stars. Are you also without understanding? God's power is not seen in creation. God's power is not seen in stars and rolling thunder. Why will you say that after reading these verses? Let me read the verses again. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Next verse. Which he wrought in Christ. Which he wrought in Christ. The power of God is wrought in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. Which he wrought in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. And set him. And set him. At his own right hand. In the heavenly places. If you read through the Bible, it will let you know that the earth will be destroyed because of man. So you can't see the power of God in creation. Which he wrought in Christ. You can only find the power of God in Christ. 
Outside Christ, you won't see the power of God. The power of God is in Christ, which he wrought the exceeding greatness of his power towards what we believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. In Christ. When he raised him from the dead. So the working of God's power was to raise Jesus from the dead and set him at his own right hand. So where do you find the power of God? Most explained in the resurrection of Christ. So the power of God is not even found in the death of Christ. Because it's not God that killed him. It's men that killed him. So the power of God can best be explained in life. The power of God can best be explained in life. The power of God is not involved in death. I'd like you to write that one down in capital. The power of God is not involved in death. In the resurrection of Jesus is the display of God's power. In the resurrection of Jesus is the display of God's power. So that means his power is found in life. To bring to life. To raise from the dead. So that means if I go into the Old Testament, where will I find the power of God? I will find the power of God in the Old Testament in the promises of God. In the promises of God. You know, a lot of things we call the power of God in the Old Testament was actually the absence of God's power. It was actually the absence of God's power. Can you see how we started and the way we started? So God's power will be found in his promise. God's power will be found in his promise. Look at Matthew 1 21. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Matthew 1 21. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. Did he do this in his earthly walk or in his death, burial and resurrection? Salvation came from his death, burial and resurrection. So in the incarnation does not really explain Jesus like the resurrection. The incarnation does not really explain Jesus like the resurrection. He shall save his people from their sins. Romans 1.16 Pay attention. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe. So you will never say again that the power of God closed the Red Sea. Because the power of God can only be seen in Christ. So question, what is the power of God? What 
is the power of God. The power of God is the gospel. The power of God is the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. That is, whenever we see the power of God, it will have goodness as its message. Whenever we see the power of God, it will have goodness as its message. So the message of God's power will be good. The message of God's power will be good. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. Romans chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, the gospel, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Next verse. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead. Where do we see God's power? In the resurrection of Jesus. That he was raised from the dead. Remember, in the Old Testament, it was given in a promise. So everything is resurrection accomplished. Whether today or in the promise is what we call the power of God. Everything the resurrection of Jesus accomplished whether today or in the promise is what we call the power of God. Anything outside that is not God's power. God's power is seen in that resurrection. Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. Stay with me. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. Where do you find that? Genesis 1, 1 to 3. Genesis 1, 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Where do you find that? Genesis. So there was darkness. And God said, Let there be light. So God's first utterance on the earth was light. God's first utterance on the earth was light. Light. That was not the sun. So Paul now explains. 2 Corinthians 4 6. 2 Corinthians 4 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying the first utterance of God we hear in the Old Testament is light. Who commanded light? That word commanded means he spoke light. It means God said light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. 
The word to shine is the Greek word lampo. Lampo. L-A-M-P-O. Let's see where that word to shine was used. Matthew 5, 15 to 16. Matthew 5, 15 to 16. Matthew 5, 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Next verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What gives light is not the men. The men lit the candle. The candle gives the light. The candle gives the light. Matthew 17 verse 2. Matthew 17 verse 2. On the Mount of Transfiguration. And was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. It's not the sun that shined on his face. It was his face that shined as the light. The word lampo that shined as the light. Luke 17, 24. Pay attention. Luke 17, 24. For as the lightning that lighted out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. So the lightning is the light. The lightning does not get light. The lightning lights. Look at Acts 12, 7. It's a very peculiar use of words. Acts 12, 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Rise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hand. A light shined. Lampo. So what did we discover? We discovered that whatever shined did not get the light to do it. The light came with the shine. The light came with the shine. So when he says God commanded the light to shine, who is the light? God himself. He doesn't look for light. God doesn't get light. God is light. God is light. That's why John, 1 John 1, 5. Look at the way John will put it. 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. You know if God was creating light. He could have created something else. So he doesn't create light. He himself is light. That is, you can't find darkness in God. When God commanded the, the light to shine, who was doing the shining? Himself. That's why the light of Genesis 1 is not the light of the sun. So that's why from the first day, Moses began to paint down the character of God. The first thing he said about God is that God separated the light from the darkness. 
God separated the light from the darkness. So you can't blame Moses for any confusion you may have. Moses wrote it down clearly that God separated light from darkness. That is, God has never featured in darkness. He has never operated in darkness. God is absolute light. And those of you who know the theory of absolutes, when something is, when, when there is absolute light, there's no atom of darkness. The light is his light. That's why Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. Not I have. I am the light of the world. God is light. He does not have light. He was not given light. He is light himself. That is the character and the nature of God. No darkness in God. That is, is not something he does. He is light. Light is who he is. In him is no darkness at all. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. Look at this. You will love it. But God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To give what? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at me. So you can only know God in the face of Jesus. You can only know God in the face of Jesus. No other face represents God like Jesus. Not Moses, not Elijah, not Jeremiah. You can only know God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So what was Paul talking about? He was talking about the gospel as the treasure. So the gospel not only comes to save, it also gives you an opportunity to come to the knowledge of who God is. So in the resurrection of Jesus comes not only the act but the revelation of the actor. In the, in the resurrection of Jesus comes not only the act but the revelation of the actor. To see who God really is. To see who God really is. The problem is many believers what they know about God is a rumor. They don't really know God. It is what they were told, what their mothers told them, their fathers told them, the testimonies people told them, dreams, visions, experiences. They don't really know who God is. They are like Job. In Job 42 verse 5 who said, all I know of God was a rumor. So whenever things go wrong, they say God is trying to teach me a lesson. When they are sick, they say God is trying to teach me humility. They think like that because they are double-minded. Some people say God can do whatever he wants. Well, if God operates like that, 
He will never ask you to believe him. He will just force things on you. Believing means he is definite. If God just functions anyhow, he will just wake up and change his mind anytime. And you cannot question him. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says it. Yet, wait. How can you trust a God that is just unreliable? He's not definite. He's not specific. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things that God does not have the capacity to do. I repeat. There are things that God does not have the capacity to do. Write it in capital letters. There are things that God does not have the capacity to do. He cannot do it. That is, it is not within the confines of his power. He cannot do it. That's why Paul calls it weakness. He calls the power of God weakness. But it's a pity some people are still worshipping the unknown God. They say, but you don't know Jehovah. He is Jehovah because he will save. The word Jehovah means savior. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.18. You will love this. 1 Corinthians 1.18. We are laying a foundation for the misunderstood God. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Give me verse 19 to 21. Pay attention. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Next verse. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You must understand as a figure of speech the foolishness and weakness of God. The foolishness and weakness of God. What is foolishness in the natural? What is foolishness in the natural? Is what preaching is. Preaching is foolishness to the unbeliever. So foolishness in the natural is the power of God. Foolishness in the natural is the power of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.22. 1 Corinthians 1.22. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block unto the Greeks foolishness. 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. What men call weakness, that Jesus died, is God's power. What they call foolishness, is God's wisdom. So, never use man's definition of power for God's power. Never use man's definition of power for God's power. 
Never use man's definition of power for God's power. You know in the natural, power is for us to do and undo, deal with people. Somebody doesn't like you, you paralyze him. Remove his eye. Make the ground open and swallow him. Make, make him just fall from the mountain. But if you see people who don't like you, then you take yourself and put in their hand. Natural men call it foolishness. But God's power is displayed in the death and resurrection of Christ. God's power is displayed in weakness and foolishness. That is why even the disciples said, we thought he was the one that would redeem Israel. They call foolishness the death of Christ. But that is the power of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4 as a roundup. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That is what Christ has done for all of us. In the preaching of the gospel today, we have the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 Pay attention as a roundup. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is God's power. So the power of God is unto salvation. Romans 1.16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God can only be seen within the confines of salvation. Thank God for miracles. Thank God for signs and wonders. But that is just a partial demonstration of God's power. God's full power is when a man receives Christ. God's full power is unleashed when a man receives Christ. Salvation is the manifestation of God's full power because the power of God is to salvation. The preaching of the gospel is the demonstration of God's power. How do you walk in that power? By the preaching of the gospel. As I'm preaching to you right now. I am making the power of God available. And the power of God does not destroy. The power of God saves. So listen carefully. We will examine all the destructions. As we travel through. Wednesday 5 p.m. GMT plus 1. We will begin to explore. And see where people call the power of God. In destruction and what happened there so we can explain the operations of God's power. It's an exciting time of study as we unravel and unveil the depth of God's power. Remember again, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. So outside salvation, God's power is not seen. God's power can only be seen Within the conduit of salvation. And today as the word has come. 
the power of God is present wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice. I like to pray for you. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. Barriers are broken right now. Obstacles are removed. In the name of Jesus, sick bodies be healed right now. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Where you need a miracle this week, receive a miracle. Receive a miracle in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, I'm excited. Now this is for the radio audience. All of you online, stay with me. House, house centers and campuses, stay with me. Those of you on radio, I'm sure you've been blessed. It's the beginning of a whole teaching series. You don't want to miss Wednesday. Wednesday by 5 p.m. GMT plus one. We'll be live again on FXLFM. Radio XLFM. FMXL or XLFM. On Wednesday by 5 p.m. GMT plus one. Tell other people about it and get your good self ready. We'll have a blast. Listen carefully. Make sure you send your offerings to your pastors. Make sure you support your church at this time. It's very important, especially those of you on radio. We love you guys and I'm excited about the opportunity to feed you the word of God on radio. Phone numbers will be called. You can call us for prayer, for counseling. And if you have questions, we'd like to answer them. Be blessed. Now I'm back to you. Online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of you on Kingdom Life Network. It's a joy to bring you the word of God. To serve you the grace of God. And listen carefully. On Tuesday by 6 p.m. GMT plus one. We'll be having a Power City International Conference. All our campuses and churches all over the world. Everybody who follows me online. We'll be having a conference on Zoom. We're using the Zoom technology on Tuesday. There is a Zoom ID you copy to join the meeting. It's going to be a two-hour conference. We're going to fellowship together with one another, pray, sing together. I will teach, preach, minister to all of you. It will be a powerful time on Tuesday by 6 p.m. GMT plus one. The Zoom ID is on the screen. People are typing it all over Facebook. Get the Zoom ID. Secondly, there are a number of toll-free numbers that are on the screen. For people that don't have data and cannot be able to call through, we're giving you a free number that you can call without paying charges. You call in to join. Now, if you're using the toll-free number, you won't see videos. You will only hear us. But I'll be glad to see all of you in that conference on Tuesday, 6 p.m. GMT plus one. Share with people who love our ministry, love what we're doing. People are seeking for opportunities to be part of what we're doing. Make sure you spread the news all over the world. Let's have a global conference on Zoom technology on Tuesday, 6 p.m. GMT plus one. Praise God. This is the beginning of a series. I'm going to go through this within the week. Wednesday at 5 p.m., we're going to have a blast as we explore God's character in the demonstration of his power. Now grab your offering, your kingdom investment, your partnership. Let's give with joy in honor of the word of God we have just received this afternoon. Lift up your offerings. Every time we give you an opportunity to give, it's an opportunity to partner with this vision. Through your resources and your givings, we can flood the earth 
with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. It's a joy to give, to honor Christ, to honor the work he has done for us. Oh my goodness. When you think of the goodness, the love, and the graciousness of Jesus, it provokes in you a desire to make your resources available. I always say this. When you see Jesus, money loses value. When you see Jesus, money becomes a tool, a slave to be used in serving Jesus. So grab a good offering. Let's give sacrificial and intentionally today. Grab a good offering, you know, an investment into this ministry and, you know, a partnership commitment. And those of you who want to be partners that are not yet partners, if you shoot an email to me today with your location, we will email you partnership details. Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. It's a joy to have all of you here. Now lift up your offerings, your kingdom investment, your partnership. Father, we rejoice that we have the privilege to give. We give in faith. We give with joy. We give generously. Oh, there's nothing we can give that is enough to express how we feel. But from the depths of our generosity, we give sacrificially, intentionally, and joyfully. Our offerings we give today in response to what Christ has done. You've given us everything. Our offerings are an appreciation. So that through our givings, the gospel floods the earth. The gospel can be pro pronounced everywhere human beings are found. And we thank you that our offering today is a sweet smell before you. Now I pray for everyone giving online, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Those giving through our television broadcast. Those giving in the house centers and campuses. I declare your needs met according to his riches in glory. Your desires are granted. Barriers are broken. Obstacles are taken away in the name of Jesus. Receive the favor of God for your enterprise, the work of your hands, your businesses, your careers and profession. Receive ideas, concepts, insights, supernatural favors and relationships. This week, enjoy the goodness of God. You lack nothing. You have everything provided. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for honoring the word of God with your commitments, with your givings today, so together we can flood the blue marble planet with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. I'm looking forward to seeing many of you on Tuesday for the first time through the Zoom technology at the Power City Global Conference. It's going to be a powerful time of impartation, learning, and sharing, and fellowshipping together with us and close you. We love you guys. Looking forward to connect through Zoom on, on Tuesday by 6 p.m. GMT plus one. And on Wednesday, right here live as we bring the word of his grace in our new series of the misunderstood God part two as we explore the character of God where his power is concerned. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day and be blessed. Amen. Praise.